does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Welcome back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner as we have reached the back half of Colts training camp at Grand Park. I'm Kevin Bowen. Eddie Garrison is with me. Just five practices to go. Eight down, five to go, and it's a game week, I guess, Yeah. As we chat here on this Monday morning, August 7th. Uh, again, each of the next two Saturdays in Buffalo, home to Chicago, and then that Thursday nighter with the Eagles on Amazon to close out the preseason. So it's going to ramp up. Obviously, the joint sessions, um, you know, practice-wise, it scales back, but just the intensity, I guess, of those sessions will ramp up as you get into a little bit more of the realer evaluations. Uh, Reggie Wayne is going to join us here on the podcast coming up in a bit. Um, I thought it was a really fun interview with, with Reggie. You know, I, I said this on our morning show when we did the interview with him last week. I wish Reggie would speak more to the media, and he has to, or I guess the Colts make him available with the other assistant coaches, but I just think he's he's candid, he's honest, um, he's he's an old soul, but you know, yet is probably, well, I guess with this offensive staff, he might not be one of the youngest, but he's still young in regards to most NFL um, coaches around the league. Um, so yeah, a little bit of everything we covered with Reggie, so we'll play that coming up here. In a bit, and we'll kind of follow the same script as last week's podcast. A little bit of Jonathan Taylor talk at the start. I go over each position, takeaways so far, and then get to Twitter questions. What's up, man? Not much. How about you? Happy episode 411. 411, really? Yeah. It's a lot. That is. Should we brand that on the side of our arm? Is that an area code somewhere that is of significance? Oh, that's a good question. That's what we should start doing now. Yeah, I just came Searching. From, uh, well, last uh, yesterday afternoon, we had a my nephew's uh, birthday party. He's three years old. It was Paw Patrol tattoos. Oh, was a big thing there. There is no four eleven. No four eleven. No area code. Okay. All right. Well, three one seven for life here. Yeah. And shout out to the seven six fives and the eight one twos and the two one nines and wherever <laughs> else you are tuning in to this episode, Eddie. I don't think we have a ton on Taylor, but we're now eight practices into this. His stay on the pup list will reach two weeks starting tomorrow. A couple thoughts I've had in the last few days since we've talked. We are starting to approach a date of, oh man, he needs a practice. Yep. To play week one. You know, this is a guy that is very in tune with his body. This is the first time he's ever had any sort of notable, significant injury. And again, even if you just called it a high ankle sprain, he had missed three games, which you know we know he missed. I think it was six in total last season. For Jonathan Taylor, that would be a significant injury because he's never been hurt. Mm-hmm. wasn't hurt in high school, wasn't hurt in college, wasn't hurt his first two years in the NFL, and now we're going on. I think we're approaching the nine month mark since he either practiced or played in an NFL game. So. I don't think it's this week, Eddie, but I would think next week, certainly the week after that, which would be their first week back at the facility, at that point, you're two weeks out from the first game week of practices. Gotta think Taylor's gotta practice then to be ready. So I think that's a thought. Um, you know, I 
I see both sides of people that have leverage. Maybe not leverage is the right word to use, but have strong points in this debate Mm -hmm. with Taylor and with the Colts. I do think his health throws a huge curveball into all of this, and I've heard very conflicting things on the magnitude of his injury situation. Um, Some that's this is really, really serious, and others saying he could practice tomorrow. So it's just a very muddy situation when it comes to that aspect of it. The other thing I sit here and think to myself, and it's a little bit more in the astonishment if you're Jonathan Taylor. You know, Eddie, two years ago, and we had this conversation Friday when I hopped on with you and Jimmy Cook and James Boyd on our midday show. Two years ago, I guess at this point less than two years, but Jonathan Taylor set the Colts franchise record for the greatest rushing season in franchise history. And tied the touchdown record, too. Yeah, yards shattered and then touchdowns tied it. Um, set, And again, this is a franchise that has been going on for 70 years. It's a franchise that has four Hall of Fame running backs. And it is a position that has been devalued in usage as the years have moved along. Like, it's not like he set the. You would think a rushing record. If you hold the 1983 rushing record for an NFL franchise right now, there's a pretty good chance you're going to hold it for quite some time. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, people just don't treat running backs like that anymore to where you're going to get 26 carries a game and you're going to get, you know, heavy, heavy workload and you're not going to throw it as much. So. The fact that he has set a 70-year franchise record with a position that has four Hall of Famers at it, and again, he's done it in an era where that position doesn't seem to be as valued as much, is pretty darn impressive. You also keep in mind, he's 24 years old, he has no torn Achilles and no torn ACL on his body. Yes, there have clearly been issues in the last month or so, but before that, you have never worried about him off the field. Jim Irsay calls him special, Chris Boward... You pay good play, you know, all, all of those things. And now we're here. It's just kind of wild. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's wild that it's unfolded in this manner where, you know, seemingly you've had a change of heart in how you build a roster, how you retain your players, those sorts of things. Um, yeah, it is, um, it's really, really interesting to me. And how all of it obviously is going to unfold will be paramount to watch, but. You know that that is something that stood out, and I would say the last thing, Eddie, and feel free to chime in on, on anything. But it's a comment I made, I know a little bit on Wednesday, but I continue to be here and hearing Michael Pittman's comments from last Thursday um, only kind of emphasizes this point further for me. You do everything you can to extend Michael Pittman right now. If you're not going to pay Taylor, mm-hmm. then you do everything you can to try and get the Pittman extension done now because. You can't run the risk of all of a sudden him wanting to test the open market or him, you know, looking at the situation here in India and being like, oh man, I didn't like that. I, I for whatever reason, I, I, I didn't like the, you know, first year of the Anthony Richardson experiment. I want to do something else and I want to try and see what is out there. And I know a lot of people, you know, made a lot out of the Pittman comments from last week. And, Obviously, his response to my my initial question, the James Boyd's follow up, was pretty much the same tune he's had throughout this, and keeping I'd say a relatively private matter in regards to the contract. Mm-hmm. I guess he hinted at sure everybody would would like to get paid, but I also think that comparing his response to Jonathan Taylor's response is probably not comparing the two situations 
accurately. Mm-mm. Michael Pittman is going to get paid. There is no denying that. He will get paid here or somewhere else. And if they slap the franchise tag on him, that franchise tag for 2024 is going to be north of $20 million, Probably like $22 million. Jonathan Taylor, not sniffing that. Probably about $10 million less than that if he gets the franchise tag. Taylor doesn't know if he's getting paid or what that is going to look like. So, of course, Michael Pittman is going to be up there speaking in a different tone. And I think Pittman is naturally wired that way, but I think Pittman is also a realist. I have not had the first three years that Jonathan Taylor has had. Jonathan Taylor has proven he is one of the best running backs in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Michael Pittman has not proven that he's one of the best wideouts in the NFL. And Pittman plays the position that brings a ton more security and insurance than the running back position does. And it's also a position that has a little bit more shelf life than running back does. So, um, I think that he is a guy that just checks what you want. You're going to hear the Reggie Wayne clip here in a little bit. I mean, Reggie's answer to Michael Pittman, I mean, gushes about his work ethic. You don't typically hear that from coaches, you know, publicly heaping that praise, typically for wideouts, which sometimes can have a little bit of that diva mindset. Mm -hmm. I don't get that from Pittman either. So I would do everything I can, Eddie, to extend him right now and make sure that you have some building blocks under contract for Anthony Richardson going forward, particularly at a position that's as critical as wideout. When you're talking about Michael Pittman Jr. and how he talked last week, the way I took it as was him saying basically, I'm just going to put my head down, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to work and I'm going to let my agent handle that. Right. But he just didn't flat out say it that way. He just kind of like beat around the bush with it. So it's like I applaud him for having the same stance during all of this. Uh, in comparison to the Jonathan Taylor situation, just because I think he understands, he knows he will get paid whatever amount of money he wants, whether that's here or elsewhere, just because of the nature of the Jonathan Taylor situation. And again, his resume is not Taylor's. Correct. So I, I think that it's worth pointing out. So he probably should have that mindset. But also, for the next three to four years, he certainly is in a much better position to have that security than Jonathan Taylor is going to have. Um, I think I said this on last week's podcast, but again, you don't want the cupboard to be bare for Richardson. And you know, while Alec Pierce and Josh Downs, you're optimistic about them, you're optimistic about Jelani Woods, things like that, you just still don't want to run that risk. And that's why I think it is worth going ahead and trying to get something done with Pittman, if possible, before the start of the season. Um, so Anthony Richardson feels confident. I mean, your job, you have selected Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. Now your job is to do two things, support and develop. The support is with personnel, but the support is also to make sure he feels good about things and comfortable and confident and a calming feeling moving forward of like, oh yeah, I know I'm going to be with Michael Pittman for the next you know X amount of years. So I think those are all things you would be trying to achieve with this. Uh, so we'll continue to be on Taylor Watch. He's at practice every day. Shane Steichen, same song and dance with... Minimal to no updates, but I do think Eddie in the next seven to ten days we're reaching a point with Taylor of like, um, that dude needs to play, mm-hmm. and by play I mean practice. Yeah, to yeah. be ready to play week one. Yeah, I just think Ballard's maybe had a self-realization that's like, hey, you know, we've we've had one playoff game with this guy, and we can't afford to pay another non-premium position top money. That I don't know. There could be a self-realization there with Ballard, like a, an altering. Of his blueprint, yeah, yeah, and, and, and I don't disagree with that thought. And you know, I think I brought it up. You know, Shane Sykin's presence, yep, it, it should challenge your thinking. It should alter your thinking. 
Um, you should be listening to this guy. What did I say throughout the draft process, Eddie? Who should be making the final selection? Shane Steichen. Steichen. More than Ursay. More than Ballard. Um, this is the guy. When it comes to offensive moves, he needs to have a ton of say in all of these moving forward. So I understand that. Um, at the same time, I can certainly, I think, make a case for wanting to support your young quarterback when you have the ability to do so. Not do it with a franchise tag, which would keep the cap hits high to very high in the years moving forward. Front load those things. Um, you know, alter a little bit of your thinking where you can have this right approach. You know, you can have this big core philosophy. And again, that's right if you're starting an expansion team tomorrow, but you're not. And so I think that's kind of the dilemma that you face with Anthony Richardson uh, and your uh, in your contract. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Let's transition to camp takeaways. Uh, Anthony Richardson had his best day yesterday. I thought he did, um, Eddie. I, I thought the thing that, and I guess let's just talk quarterback right here. We'll go position position by position with what we've seen in the last few practices since we last talked. Um, I thought what you saw yesterday from him, and that would be Sunday afternoon in a full padded session, was the best down-the-field production with the starters. There was a great ball he threw to Alec Pierce that was in one of those call-it periods. And that's basically a, it, it's like you're in a game, whereas you script so much of practice, the call-it period is more of a, all right, you're outside of the huddle. Shane Steichen's radioing in something into you. You don't know necessarily what's going to be radioed in. Go in the huddle, call the play, and then execute th- that play. Obviously, down and distance in a game dictates so much of that. You can have this nice 20-play script to start a game. Well, if you get a holding penalty on the first play, that could really change things yeah. from how your script unfolds. So the ball to Pierce is a really nice thrown touchdown. Uh, that he got a one-on-one. Shane Steichen really liked the ball that Richardson delivered. Um, to end practice, though, Eddie, I love when they get into situations. And the situation was 46 seconds on the clock, just outside the red zone, one timeout, and you're down eight. So you need the touchdown, and you need the two-point conversion. Richardson with the starters. These are the situations, Eddie, that separates quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. We watch it every single Sunday. How many times do games come down to the end of a half, the end of a game, red zone, third down, fourth quarter? That's what separates them. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could watch games and and you can watch quarterbacks and you can be like, man, their stats are pretty even. But then you, you boil it down to and it's that one extra third down conversion, that one red zone play where they don't settle for a field goal and they score a touchdown. And Richardson, in this moment, it was a run on the first play. Then he threw a really nice ball to Kylan Granson, a little corner route, for a touchdown on the second play of this drive, which started at what, like the 30-ish yard line? And then runs it in with his legs in the two-point conversion. And what you saw there is the arm and the leg. And again, it is a practice. Let's throw in all the caveats. It was a practice. The Colts were down five starters on their defense, three of them in the secondary. you got to throw all that in there. I'm not saying dress the dude for Canton. And start erecting the statue next to Peyton, but on a Sunday afternoon in August, all he can do is win that 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 period, mm-hmm. and we hadn't seen him yet win those periods very often. I'm thinking of a two minute drill to end practice. This probably would have been a week ago, Eddie, and the Richardson unit 
barely moved it, got a very generous spot on a scramble to even somewhat move it, and the Minshew unit moved it further than him. Um, yesterday, you converted a scenario that I think puts the offense in a very unlikely situation to convert. I mean, eight points, you got to get a touchdown, you got to get the two-point conversion, you only have one, one timeout. They convert, and then Minshew goes out there with the second unit. They do get down to the goal line, or very close to the goal line, and then Minshew tried to force one. I think it might have been fourth down or time might have been running out, uh, but EJ Speed picked it off near the sideline. I think those are some of the things, Eddie, that you want to see from Richardson. A little bit of pressure rising. Again, 1v1, how do you react to it? Uh, It was a really solid day for him. And it's been a wild week for him. You know, at this point last week, he had just had the nasal septum surgery. Yeah. He missed that Monday practice. I thought his Tuesday and Thursday days last week were very rough, in particular Tuesday. And then you know, better Saturday. But again, that was with the second unit. Then he comes out with the starters yesterday. I thought even another step forward. And it's stringing them together. It's, you know, offering more consistency with that. By no means was it all, all perfect. There was a, a comeback route by Pierce that. Uh, they clearly weren't on the same page for from a timing standpoint. So you still have those moments, but as we've mentioned with Richardson, his big playability allows for those moments to occur, but you can cover them up. Whereas with Minshew, he's got to be the real, real consistent one because he doesn't hit as many of the. He's got to be the point guard. Yeah, yeah. He's got to be, you know, he's the guy that needs to bat 310 and hit a bunch of singles. Whereas Richardson's probably more of an Adam Dunn for lack of a better analogy on that end. But he can bat 240, but if he hits a few in the Ohio River, that can make up for for, for some things. Yeah. Um, now let's transition to running back if you've got anything else. Yeah, the last thing that I'll just add is this. If you're going to make me pick a starter for week one, I'd probably go with Richardson right now. And that's me. Again, I would go with him, but that's me trying to guess what the Colts are going to do. I mean, they've if you look at the reps, man, they've given him a lot of reps, mm-hmm. a lot of starting reps in this camp so far through eight practices. So, um, unless there's something behind the scenes that I'm totally missing, I think, honestly, when they go play Buffalo on Saturday, it will be Richardson. That's me, just a slight like education on that guess, but not not like totally, totally confident. So, I want to make sure that I make it clear to people. Um, but you've given them a good amount of starting reps here in the last week. We'll see what happens tomorrow and Thursday. Um and more than anything, Eddie, I just want to see him play a good chunk. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe you do look at it and say, all right, let's give Minshew two series to start, and then let's play Richardson the rest of the first half. You know, maybe you kind of look at it where you don't want to leave your starters in for that long. So Richardson, you don't necessarily maybe want to start him, and then all of a sudden now he's with the second unit halfway through the period of time if you – let Minshew start, then you took your veteran starters out, maybe then you throw Richardson just in there with the twos so he gets more extended action, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's the case, but again, um, I think he could definitely be the starter side afternoon. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
We've already talked about Jonathan Taylor. Now we've talked about Anthony Richardson. Let's transition now to the running back room. Last Friday, the Colts signed Kenyon Drake. I'm assuming it's a one-year vet minimum kind of deal. No yeah. real numbers announced on that front, but uh, they waved my guy, Toriano Clinton, in the process. Sad to see Tori go, but happy he got the three-day opportunity with the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, that'd be the UND product for those unfamiliar. Eddie, um, obviously a product of the Greyhound Nation there. Um, the Kenyon Drake thing to me is a bit interesting. You know, if I'm Kenyon Drake, I'm 29 years old. I ran for 100 yards last year in a game. I started a handful of games with the Ravens. Kenyon Drake, I think, has kind of fallen in the category where he could be somewhat picky on what he wants his next slash last, potentially last opportunity to be in the NFL. Like, I don't see the need for him to have to jump off the couch the first week of August. I mean, we already have seen some running back injuries and a suspension with Alvin Kamara in New Orleans. You know, you're going to have running back injuries here in the next couple of weeks. I think Kenyon Drake and him and Benny Snell, I think, were the two guys that mm-hmm. worked out not only here but worked out in some other spots. You know, maybe they're kind of the pool of the veteran running backs. Like, you know how for a while there it was like Hot Rod was going in the in the kicker tryouts every Tuesday. Him and Eddie Pinheiro and you know, insert your other French kickers. Like it almost seemed like Snell. And um, Drake were, were kind of in that running back category. I must admit this, Eddie. I had someone DM me on how many or what they think the role of Drake will be this year, and I literally thought the person meant Ursay's dog. <laughs> yeah. Not one of my prouder moments. Um, I literally responded, referencing the dog. And then, well, I think I was joking, and then they came back with, like, interesting. And then I, was, and then I thought to myself, oh, shit. I literally thought they meant the dog. <laughs> so I apologize and then talked about Kenyon Drake. It just, the Kenyon Drake thing to me, Eddie, screams a little bit more than just a camp body. Yes. He doesn't have ample special teams experience, particularly in the last few years. He comes over from Baltimore. I mean, think about Baltimore's offense. Though obviously will be elements of that offense that you would think the Colts will implement with Richardson. So he's used to kind of working with and running with a multi-dual threat QB. So I just, I don't know. I mean, I I don't think the Colts said to him, hey man, Jonathan Taylor is definitely not going to play for us in 2023, so come on down. But why would you necessarily join this fold if you thought Taylor's coming back? If Taylor's coming back and Zach Moss is back by, what, mid-September, is this really the best opportunity? Do you follow that? Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. Again, maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into it, but Kenyon Drake just seems like a guy like if Derrick Henry tours ACL tomorrow, that he might be a person that Tennessee says, all right, bring him in. He'll be our starter. Like, I, I feel like he's got that type of resume to him where of the pool of open market running backs, he's probably near the top. Now, I know that you know you have the Dalvin Cook and you have the Zeke Elliott, maybe those two guys. Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt. Yeah, maybe you have those guys that are like, we can be choosy. And maybe Drake isn't in that. I could see that. But I, he doesn't scream third running back special teamer to me. No. So, who knows? We'll see how it all plays out with him. But, yeah, continue to see a whole lot of Deion Jackson and Evan Hall right now. I want to just move over to the wideouts just a little bit. Um, how's Alec Pierce looking in his second year out of camp? Yeah, I'd say there's been a couple of more catches, Eddie, that are more of your traditional 
normal underneath route type grabs, which you want to see. I think he's proved, I thought he proved it last year that he can do the big play. He can do the sideline ball. He can do the 50 50. It's some other stuff. And Reggie Wayne, you're going to hear some comments on on that end. Um, I've noticed seeing a little bit more of McKenzie, Isaiah McKenzie, in some very, very creative way. I almost said McKenzie Lover is my sister in law. <laughs> I, I think it could be a very uh, solid. Um, movable piece in an, in an offense as well. She seems like a very athletic woman. Um, Isaiah McKenzie, though, it almost seems like, and I forget who it was. Maybe they don't want them to mention me to mention their names. So I won't. There's a media colleague that said to me yesterday at practice, like, don't you get the feel watching McKenzie? This is what they thought Naeem Hines was going to do. And honestly, I blame more of the staff with their lack of usage with Hines than anything. Or Paris Campbell. Yeah, or even Campbell. Um, McKenzie's being used in a lot, lot of different ways. I was thinking something to note on the Amari Rogers signing we saw from late last week. Eddie, former third-round pick, who's had tons of issues holding onto the football. By the way, Kenyon Drake did have kind of a high drop number last year with Baltimore. If you're curious about a third-down role for him, either he has. You know, caught balls, certainly in the NFL, but did have a big drop number. The drafting of Josh Downs, the signing of Isaiah McKenzie, who told us he's 5'7", by the way, and Amari Rogers. Eddie, to me, this gets back to an earlier point we were making with Jonathan Taylor. It's some Shane Steichen influence. Steichen wants to diversify that room. Remember around the draft when I stressed the need for Go get a wide out, but go get a point guard. Yeah. Don't get another power forward. You've got enough, enough of those guys in that room. It's a very physically imposing, good-looking wide out group. You need to find the shiftier, quick guys. And again, maybe it's scar tissue from watching the Colts for so long, Eddie, because those dudes have torn up the Colts. You know, Insert all the names of Welker and Edelman and, and Hunter Renfro and Kiki Kuti and just all these random slot dudes that have had big games against you, and I don't feel like the Colts have ever really done that themselves to that degree. So, I like that. And again, I'm not acting like Amari Rogers is going to come in here and be a, you know, whatever, instant impact guy by any means. But it's just a reminder of some of the things that Shane Steichen is going to bring and want out of his wideouts. What about Josh Jones? I'm starting to see a little bit more. Yeah, starting to see a little bit more. I'm curious what the slot third receiver him McKenzie looks like a um, little bit of quieter camp for Ashton Doolin I still think he definitely makes the team and Mike Strawn has continued to do a couple of the August things we're just like there's once or twice a practice Eddie where they throw the ball in his direction and he just mosses the other dude I've learned not to overreact to that because they just it hasn't translated for him yet so you know what they do back into a wideout I think will be interesting Ethan Fernie the guy they just put on injured reserve I actually thought he had a chance potentially to make the team, so maybe that opens up something. But Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. In terms of tight end, Jelani Woods and some others, Will Mallory dealing with injuries, so who's that leave at the top of the depth chart yeah, right now? Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. I mean, Drew Ogletree's gotten some good starting run. Um... So has Kylan Granson. You know, Eddie, they've made so many tight end moves here recently. Yeah. But I think availability with that group's a big, big reason why. And there are connections. You can point, you know, there's a former Iowa State guy that Tom Manning was with. I think it was a former Eagle, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so you have the Steichen connection on that end. But 
I think this is the position group that's really, really wide open still. And again, the availability to your point, Eddie. Will Mallory has had trouble staying healthy all throughout the offseason. Jelani Woods now is we're probably approaching a week with Jelani Woods with that hamstring issue. And Moali Cox has missed now a couple of days in a row. So it's a group that struggled with the availability. And it's kind of wild to think that the kid with the ACL coming off the ACL has been the one that's probably been out there. But most along with Granson. So how they cut down this group, what it looks like, do you have room for five tight ends? All of that I think will be a big thing to watch for. Anything else on the tight end group or you want to transition to offensive line? Let's go to O-line. You know, what stands out through eight practices, Eddie, is... Blake Witt to IR. Uh, Jake, Jake. Jake. Yeah, Jake Witt. Um, yeah, Blake Freeland, probably the... Yeah. Where you got got those two. Um, I, I guess let's let's start with the Witt thing. I think it's a bummer. You know, when you draft a dude in the seventh round, you draft a dude that's such a project like Witt is, and again, remember, the Northern Michigan background, the basketball background, he really wasn't even playing football until a couple years ago, growing into his body. Northern Michigan is not at the highest level of college football by any means. You make that pick with the thought of, let's get him a solid one to two years in the practice squad and see what happens. Well, I mean, a hip issue, it's going to knock you out for the year. He's not going to be able to... You can't practice if you're on injured reserve. So right. He's going to miss. Instead of being the scout team left tackle having to block Samson Ebicom and Quiddy Pay every practice, he now has to watch. And that's a bummer for a guy that, again, he wasn't going to factor into your depth chart necessarily here in 2023, but he loses a big, big developmental year with this injury. To get back to what I was saying earlier, eight practices in, Eddie. The starting unit has been the same for every single starting rep. That's We've got to be north of 120-ish by now. Continuity. You look at it one of two ways. Continuity or lack of competition. How do you look at it? Probably continuity more than anything. You know, I, The right guard and like, man, has Will Fries just earned the right to have the job? That is one where I kind of go back and forth on with that. Um, you know, we saw the signing of Dan Skipper. That one, I think, again, makes a little sense because it gets some veteran tackle depth. We, we still really have yet to see him in a serious reserve role. And again, Eddie, I think we're going to continue to get the evaluations. I will circle Saturday, and I will circle next Wednesday and Thursday on the calendar. I can recall on this podcast last year saying to you, didn't they open the season in Buffalo? Didn't they open the preseason in Buffalo last year too? Yes. Because so they got shredded by Case Keenum and um, Barkley. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of the wide receiver. Um, first round, I think first round pick. Oh yeah, the no, not Boise. first. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forget his name. Khalil Shakir. Khalil Shakir. Great work. Um, what I recall about that couple series stint for the starting offensive line in Buffalo, I was like, damn, they just got their ass kicked. And I think I said on the podcast. Everybody, let's throw in the and I feel like we have to do this every August, you know. The first question I get from people after the after the Richardson Day, oh man, you crown him to be in the Hall of Fame. People, we have to react to what shows up on the schedule. And in August, you're not allowed to go play an arrowhead. You don't have a game in Lambeau. Like this is all you can do. And so when what, what, what I watched last year in the preseason opener was I am going off of two series of starting reps in August. And this is what I saw. I saw an offensive line unit that got whipped. And then the very next week, the Lions come to town. And the Lions, I thought, got the better part of the Colts. 
in the in the trenches. And what happened last season? Your offensive line had a big regression. So those ended up being precursors for what we saw. So I think what I say all that to say, let's watch Saturday and let's watch what happens in the joint practice next week against the Bears and obviously the preseason game if you're going to play your starters and then Philadelphia after that because unfortunately and I guess we can transition to the D-line with this we're now a couple days into DeForest Buckner's absence doesn't sound like anything too serious but you know what Eddie one of the real kind of under the radar disappointments of camp so far I don't think we've seen Samson Ebicom since day one Mm -hmm. it's a guy that obviously is playing a big role I mean starting tomorrow it'll be two weeks since report day so he's nearing kind of a two-week absence it's a hamstring issue um He's a guy that you're projecting in kind of a bigger role, an expansive role, obviously different than Yannick Ngakwe. By the way, for a guy like Matt Eberflus who loves three-down defensive linemen, I was surprised Ngakwe went there. That was a big, that was for a big ten million, big payday he got. Yeah, shout out to Drew Rosenhaus, I think. Now the Bears dead last in sacks last year in the, in the NFL. Sounds about right. So again, the Ebercom thing, a little bit of a bummer um, on that end. Um, so that'll be something to keep an eye on. Any progression from Pay in your eyes? I've probably noticed the interior guys a little bit more than the exterior. I think the starting O-line has done a nice job, though, against those guys, which obviously means that the starting D-line hasn't impressed a ton, a ton. You know, it's one of those things where, I mean, you are, you have just got to run right by the quarterback. Like, you do not stick your hands out there. Because, you know, the one time you stick your hand out there and try to knock the ball away, now you've broken the quarterback's finger and he's out for, yeah. you know, a month. So, it's one of those things to hard. Some of the quarterbacks, you have to have that innate feel like, I'm wearing a red jersey. I can stand in this pocket a little longer. <laughs> I know they can't touch me. So, I, again, I haven't noticed Pay living in the backfield. But, again, to be fair to the pass rush guys, there can be moments where it's like, oh, I would have gone after him. And I would have disrupted something, but they're not allowed to. Yeah. In these sessions. But again, I don't think I've noticed a lot of pay. And, and hopefully tomorrow they'll be back in full pads again. I can watch the one on ones. We haven't had consistent one on ones with the O line and D line. Uh, but one of the days that they did have my notice, the interior of the group more than, again, the outside guys. I'm moving on to linebacker, Eddie. I was about to say, yeah. Got to start with Shaq. I mean,. Imagine in June. Hell, imagine after those Ursay comments in July. Sitting here on August 7th, and Shaquille Leonard has done every single thing Zaire Franklin and EJ Speed have done in camp. Everything. He's done individual. He's done 7-on-7. He's done 11-on-11. He's done no-pad stuff. He, this weekend, started to do the full-pad stuff. So he's done it all. Now, he hasn't done the amount of work that Franklin has done, for example. But again, imagine saying that back on July 25th yeah. or 20th. You know, I, I wasn't one of the ones that like thought the Ursay comment meant like he has a chance. I wasn't one of the ones like he has a chance to play again or he has a chance. I thought Ursay meant he has a chance to be ready for day one of camp. Well, holy hell, he definitely did. He was ready day one of camp. Mm-hmm. And then it's practiced throughout you know, all these eight sessions and the pitch count starts to rise. So now it's w- w- with him, it's just like, okay, ramp it up and knock off the rust. Those are the two things. And again, we're still a ways away, but now you're giving him five weeks. Yesterday was the five-week mark from the season opener. You're giving him five weeks to say, Shaq, you've done everything. 
you've done it all. Now we just need to get your, you know, wind up to the level that if you need and we feel like you deserve 70 snaps in week one, you can play that. So he did drop an interception yesterday from Richardson in a seven on seven. He was very upset about that. I part of me wanted to see the interception just because I knew the Leonard reaction would be priceless <laughs> watching him react to the rookie quarterback throwing an interception to him. But um Eddie, it's easily the best news of camp, and I think for a lot of people the most shocking news of camp that we are on August 7th and Shaquille Leonard has checked every single box. You know, I thought when he I thought when he come back it'd be like day on, day off, you know, individual period, then then ramp it up, but he's done a whole whole lot. Um, I'm gonna go back to the D line real quick. Uh has there been an update on DeForest Buckner and his foot? Situation. Shane didn't act like it'd be too too long, but Shane and injury updates, Eddie. He's got a little foot. Yeah, yeah. One a little point, hamstring. One point he said Jake Witt had a little hip. Well, the little hip put him on IR for the year. So I I don't know if the Witt family would call that a little hip there. I think there was a rhyme you could probably you could write write a children's book off that. Um Let's Speaking of injuries, let's move over to the secondary. And as I mentioned earlier, you had five defensive starters out yesterday. Three of those guys were in the secondary. Kenny Moore, ankle, missed the last couple of days. Rodney Thomas, undisclosed on that. And Julian Blackman, he falls in that Ebicom camp. He's actually missed more practice than Ebicom. We have not seen Julian Blackman. So it was a lot of Trevor Denbo out there yesterday. Tony mm. Brown was the corner in the lineup for Kenny Moore. Um, Daryl Baker continues to impress, though. Daryl Baker, Daryl Baker Jr. continues to impress, um, and the other guy that I feel like I'm starting to notice a little bit more, Eddie, is Jalen Jones, the seventh round pick out of Texas A&M. Um, back in the spring, he had a really strong mini camp day. It, it you watch him practice and I'm like, how does a six one corner out of the SEC who's as competitive at the moment of truth like he is last till round seven? Especially at a position that's like a value. Now, granted, it was a deep cornerback draft class, but um, so yeah. Um, and then the last point I will mention is Nick Cross. Yesterday we saw him bounce back to free safety with Rodney Thomas out. Um, so, you know, the fact that Nick Cross has been available and he's definitely made a couple of plays, that is something I think of note. Um, anything else on the positions besides what I have um, mentioned? Kenny Moore. Uh, I've heard he's had a, good, a really, really good camp, too. I would agree with that, definitely. Yep. Um, special teams. <laughs> uh, how's Rigoberto? Uh, I I don't I don't notice anything too off with with him at all. I mean seriously, Matt Gay. I think in a team setting we saw him, like in a competitive team setting we saw him good from fifty eight fifty nine. He was wide right on forty three the other day. Uh, Downs and McKenzie as your punt returners. Throw those two with probably Flowers and maybe Evan Hall as your kick returners. Again, if Flowers is starting, I don't put him back at kick return. I think he's too valuable in your defense to yeah put him as a kick returner, but. Yeah, we've got daily notebooks again. 107.5 The Fan. Continue to do that. Continue to do video recaps. Our and first like, video recap without a hat. I saw that. No hat. Yes, dude, it was cool yesterday, man. I'm Fresh cut, too, like, I can tell. Fresh cut. Yeah, temps were in the upper 60s yesterday, so um, it felt pretty good. So just a rundown on practice. Tuesday, Thursday morning. Next Tuesday morning, 
Wednesday, Thursday next week, night practice with the Bears, and that's it. Got five left at Grand Park. So if you want to see them uh, this week or next, and next week those joint practices are already um, sold out. Sold out. Uh, before we get to the Reggie Wayne, uh, one uh, we you texted me about this uh, last week over the weekend. Uh, we are going to do the fantasy football league again this year and a um, pick 'em. Um, by the time this is published and you're listening now, I'll have the pickskin pick 'em ready, and uh, I'll have the I'll send out a tweet with the podcast with the link to join. Uh, Kevin and I will talk about how we can get people for the fantasy league or how we can pick. So. Just because it gets a little hectic with all the DMs. Yeah, 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 yeah. So pick them will be obviously free for you know yep. everybody join and and Eddie will. Just, are you you said you're just gonna re send out the link from? Yeah, the, so yeah. I'll I'll tweet. A, no, I'll make a new one. Oh, make it. Is there any way you can just like reactivate the league? Um, so all I'll the people see. that are already I'll look, in it, I'll look at. Check I'll that look. out. If we can just reactivate the league, let's do that. So everybody that was already in the league, yeah, stays in the league. Yeah. Um, let's see if we can do that. And then fantasy. Let's you and I talk and. We'll figure out how to get 10 other people to join us. Yep. And uh, we'll do that again. Uh, all right. Should we queue up the Reggie Wayne? Yes, sir. Reggie Wayne with us last week. This is Kevin and Query, our morning show, uh, Colts wide receiver coach, and certainly a ring of honor and soon to be Hall of Famer. Reggie Wayne with us. The wide. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Receiver coach of the Indianapolis Colts, his name needs no introduction in this town. It's also in the uh, Ring of Honor and probably someday will end up in Canton as well. Reggie Wayne joins us on the program. Reggie, first off, thanks for joining us this morning. How are things with you? Everything's good. It's a typical uh, training camp, even as a coach, as a player. Um, it all sucks. But <laughs> at, the same, at the same time, you can uh, you can find time to get better, come together as a team, and uh, this is actually where it all makes sense, to be honest with you. Um, you're away from your family. You've been putting all the hard work in, in the summer. And now this is that final piece of the summer, of the spring, where you uh, you put it all together. Reggie, I'm not going to lie. I had you pegged for after year one. I thought you'd be on a beach with the corona in hand for a bulk of 2023. <laughs> uh, yeah. You decided not to do that. I'm sure you did that at some point this year, but you are not doing that right now, obviously. Why'd you come back? Um, For a couple of reasons. One, um... That was some unfinished business just with this organization, uh, what it means to me, um, what, these, what this fan base means to me. Um, I just felt like I needed to I needed to come back and, and do it again. And then the other part was I still like, like I owe it to these players, you know. I owe it to these players that, you know, that, 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 wasn't, that wasn't the coach standard last year. Not with myself, not with the outcome of the season, and, and I and I felt like that's not that's not that's not the way I wanted to go out. You know, I wanted to go out swinging. I felt like I watched four pitches go past me last year. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they all and, and, and one of them was a ball, but the rest of them were strikes. You know what I'm saying? And and I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to you know do it for these players to come back, have a different mentality, um, and help try to turn this thing around. 
And Reggie, with that, you know, the difference between last year and this year, I, I think even the Colts would admit this, is that it is more of a total reset. I mean, you've got obviously a young quarterback in Anthony Richardson. You've got some young receivers that you're working with that we'll get to. But does that mean that psychologically for you to come back that you had to say to yourself, I'm buying in for more than a year here. This is a longer form project than what I originally set out for. Well, I I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. Um, I really don't. You know, I, I, there was some point in time last year, at the end of last year, when everything was doing its thing, I did want to go have a corona and sit on the beach. You know what I'm saying? But it's it's one of those things where, like, I was I was I was new to this last year. You know, I was new to it. I kind of came in, and I won't say rushed. You know, uh, but I kind of came in last minute, um, in the middle of you know, draft process, not really understanding what to do and how to do it. I had an idea. I mean, we all play, you know, John Madden football growing up on PlayStation and all that stuff, but you, but it's, but this is the real thing, you know, and I didn't have an idea uh, on what to do and how to do it. So I had this summer where I was able to sit down and, and, and kind of put some things together, you know, and I said, man, if I, if I have a chance to go back and do it, and all this, all this was before Coach Steichen was here. You know, I said, if I have a chance to go back and do it, this is how I would do it. And I, I mapped everything out. You know what I'm saying? And I was I was just telling myself, like, like damn, if I'd have had this game plan last year, maybe my room, you know, would at least play a little better and maybe we could have won a game just on my room. You know what I mean? But it is a young team, and um, we just got to be patient. Um, I, I think camp is going well so far. Um, guys are locked in, you know, uh, especially my room. My room is, is, is playing well. And I just want to see if they can sustain that level of play and if not get better and better each day. And, uh, man, I, I'm, I'm excited. I am. I mean, how can you not be? It is a young team for the most part, young, young key additions. And, um, man, I just, I just want to, at the end of the day, all right, at the end of the day, I just want these players to just say, like, damn, Reggie was a, a damn good coach for me. And for me, that that's all that matters. Has it been challenging, Reggie? Reggie Wayne is our guest. I always ask this of guys that were great players and transitioned into coaching. Did it take a while for you to realize or have to adjust to the fact that what was instinctive to you as a player – and also, the work ethic you had as a player does not automatically translate to every player in the NFL. And for young guys, were there times that you had to realize that you were assuming they just automatically knew what you had known as a player? Well, you know, I, I don't assume anything. You know what I mean? I, I, it's the old cliche, if you assume, you become the first three letters of that word. Right. <laughs> you know, um, uh, back in 2018, when I kind of I came here and helped the coach out during training camp, and that was kind of like a little a semi uh, you know trial and error for me. Um, I was here with Coach Frank, and um, just seeing if this was something that I could possibly do. And I was out there coaching the receivers, and I kind of had that mind you know that mindset like, man, just do it like this. If you do it like this, you will work. It will work for you. Uh, why are you doing it? Like, you know, and. And it was kind of, you know, I was like, man, why are they not listening? Or why, why can't they get it done? 
you know, and it was kind of like weird, you know. And uh, some of the best advice I got was from Chris Ballard. You know, Chris came, you know, to me one day and he said, uh, he said, Red, you know what? I've been watching you since you've been here, man. And he said, you can do this. You can do this without a question. And he said, you're going to be damn good at it. He said, but always remember that all these players, if any, can't do what you did. Like, that's what made you special, right? And he said, so just remember, like, all these players, you have to to lock in their own, as I would tell my room, you're an Avenger. What is your power? You know what I'm saying? What's your, what's your, what's your special powers? You have to lock in their own powers um, and see what they can do and do best. You know, and that made me sit down and think. I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I shouldn't do that. And that, and that brought me, that even pushed me on forward to my kids. You know, you know, Reggie Jr. playing football like, hey, Maybe Reggie Junior is just Reggie Junior. Who knows? You know what I'm saying. So don't 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 think they can do all the special things that you was able to do. Just find out what they can do well and, and, and keep it shining. You know what I mean. So I did have to take a step back back then, and uh, and I never forgot that. And uh, and, I, and I think about that every day as I'm teaching them. But but man, these guys these guys are so talented, man. I, I really do believe that they they all are special in in their special way. And I, and I remind them all the time, like. We all know everybody won't be here at the end of the day, you know, but while you have this opportunity, you know, that means the people want to want to get, you might as well just make the best of it. And that's all I'm doing. I'm just trying to make the best of it and, and trying to get as much, as much as these guys secret powers out there on display. Reg, when you speak to the talent, you speak to the secret powers in your room. I don't know. It might be foolish to say, considering one day you will be in Canton, but is there any attribute of any of the whiteouts currently in your room that w- you wish you had when you were playing? Oh, man, it's, 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 it's a whole bunch. You know, um, I look at, I look at Ashton Doolin, the guy's a workhorse. You know, I say this, I say this guy can, he could have played with us at any point in time in my career here, you know, just the way he works, you know, um, I look at Michael Strong. I mean, I tell him every day, I wish I had your size and speed. You know, what I mean, I probably be going on year twenty something right now and playing in football. You know, uh, look at Michael Pittman, his will to do it, right? His, his work ethic, his will to do it. His, like, I tell everybody all the time. I'm like, I'm like, listen, if I want to go in the foxhole, one of the guys I want next to me is Michael Pittman. Like, that's just his determination to get it done. You know, like all these guys, all these guys. You know, they they all are special. Alec Pierce, man, his. It's attention to detail, right? And wanting to go in there and wanting to be good and wanting to do it over and over again and wanting to try new things. Like, all these guys are special. You know what I mean? And it's just trying to get them to play together. And, and they're doing a good job of it. They're they, they looking out for each other. They're helping each other out. You know, that, you know, there was times in my career where I didn't have that. You know, I didn't, I didn't have everybody in our room kind of like leaning on each other, helping each other. These guys, every single guy in my room is really talking to each other and helping each other out. And if a guy, you know, has a brain fart and can't forget it, you got one and guy, oh, no, you got to do it this way. Like, you know, that's different, man, you know, from what I was used to. You know, it was either, you know, it was it was every man for themselves for the most part of my my career, you know. So it was you either learn it or you get sit on you get put on the bench, you know. But this guy, this group here is special. And, and 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 I will say it was like that last year too when we had you know Paris Campbell he was a good leader for the room you know so 
it's, it's one of those things where I enjoy that part because it, it helps my coach out even, you know, even better. Reggie Wayne is with us. Still weird for me to say Coach Reggie Wayne. I think number 87 is probably how most most people, of course, remember Reg in this town. 11 years ago, I think it goes without saying what you meant for Andrew Luck in that rookie season of 2012. You certainly had some decisions on your own end after that 2011 season. Uh, but critical to to Andrew in that eleven and five year and, and making the playoffs. What is your message to your room about working with Anthony Richardson, working with a young quarterback, working with a rookie, and what you guys need to provide him? Just be there for him. You know, help. You know, make him look good. He's going to make mistakes. You know, he's going to have some tough throws. You know, some tough. You know, go have some tough throws, and we got to make some tough catches. You know, we got to help him out. You know, I, I, I remember when Andrew Luck came in and obviously I was, a, you know, I was around for a while when Andrew came in and uh, kind of had my foot cemented in this in this game, you know, for a little bit. But I remember when he came in, it was like, like damn, Andrew Luck's in the building. He's, replace, he's replacing Peyton Manning. And this guy's got so much pressure, so much pressure. Everybody's going to be looking at him. He's got a bullseye on him. And I just remember the first day I met him, you know, and uh, I can still see the smile on his face and didn't know him not one bit, but he had a big smile on his face. And, you know, he was like, hit me with the Mr. Reggie, nice to meet you. I had to, I had to get that straight first. Don't call me Mr. Reggie, <laughs> you know. But um, I just told him, I was like, hey, man, like, don't worry about nothing. I got the offense. And when you're ready, you just turn to me and say, Reggie, I got it, right? And that took about 11 or 12 weeks. Every week I would check in with him like, hey, you good? You, you you want to take over? <laughs> you know, and he's like, Nah, not yet. I'm still I'm still trying to get my feet wet. Cool, you know. So I was that I was that voice for him. I was that leader for him until like week eleven or week twelve, and I went to him, and he was like, All right, let me let me take a swing at. It. All right, it's all yours. So, you know, my my thing to my room was like, Hey, be that voice. Hold everybody accountable. Be that voice. Let Anthony get his feet wet. Let him learn the system. Let him feel comfortable. Let him. You know, be that leader that he can think he think he can be. You know, because to try to be a leader of men and trying to learn this playbook, right? You you know, every day you got all these errors that you're making, and then you have this roller coaster of emotions, you know, good days, bad days. Like, and then at the same time you're having a bad day, but you can't forget, like, man, you still got to uplift everybody because of your role on this team. Like, that can be tough. That can be tough. So sometimes you need you need that helping hand and. And that's what I want my guys to be. I want them to be that helping hand until Anthony has his foot in the ground. And, and, and Gardner Minshew does a great job of that also. And, you know, but uh, we know how much we've invested into Anthony Richardson, and uh, we just need to be there for him. And not just, just not just my room, every other room in here too. There should be a leader in every single room. And sometimes there's two leaders in every single position, and everybody needs to come together and, be, and, and build that bridge for him. Reggie, I think that you know it's probably dangerous a lot and unfair to to compare one player to another, you know, as a direct comparison. So I'm not trying to do that. But as fans and as media here, we have precedent recently of seeing a franchise quarterback that's selected high in the draft that the keys are handed over towards. Obviously, you were an integral part in the acclamation for Andrew Luck. But Andrew Luck had come in with a lot of reps under his belt in college. Anthony Richardson does not. Um, 
can you kind of give us a glimpse from your perspective as to where there might be differences based on that precedent of a young player taking over the reins and where there might be similarities that you see? Um, honestly, right about now, I don't, I don't see any difference. I mean, when Andrew came in, guess what? Andrew was practicing. He had rough practices. <laughs> he had rough practices. I, the only the only dilemma uh, or the only big significance that I can see that's different would be myself. Andrew had a had a, a skill position player that played for a long time, you know. So he had a safety net, right? In my room, in my room, the guy with the most experience is Michael Pittman Jr. For the most part, <laughs> you know what I mean. He's still a young player. Right, so that would be the biggest difference. Like they all gonna struggle. Anthony, people think Andrew Luck didn't struggle. Andrew Luck struggled. There was days that you know Bruce Arians would look at him, and, and, and it was almost like his his eyes was like it, it, like he was something from Men in Black. You know the way he looked at. Like Andrew struggled. So like Anthony Richardson is going to struggle, but one thing that Andrew did was. After he struggled, he came back. He didn't get gun shy. He, he still slung the ball around the yard. And I don't see no difference than, than Anthony Richardson. Right? Yeah. Is that pressure on him? There? I mean, it, yeah. It's, it's a quarterback drafted, you know, the third pick in the draft. You know, he's going to struggle. You know, so um, it's one of those things where we just got to take the, the, the ups and downs. And uh, and live with it. They're going to be mistakes. They're going to be mistakes. You you mentioned yourself. You know, Andrew Luck had a lot of games. You know, uh, Anthony Richardson doesn't. But us coming together, putting him in the best situation on the field, and hoping that his teaching and his you know play every day in practice will turn that wheel form to get him going. I want to go back to Reggie. Reggie Wayne's our guest on the Palo Sickers Hotline. I want to go back to something you said about when you were playing. You, you know, you came in. Obviously, there was already a veteran receiver there in Marvin Harrison, or a guy who was was entrenched certainly. Um, and you guys were a great duo, one of the best in league history. And I would assume there's a level of competitiveness there. But when you talked about the camaraderie in the room then versus now, can you elaborate on that? On what was different? when you were playing and was it to a negative? Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there's a big difference. You know, I, I think, I think these, the, the, the times have changed. We all know that, right? Uh, they got all these different rules and CBA rules and all these different, if I look at it and I sit back like, damn, what is the big difference? Right. And it's, like this will be considered like a country club now, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like man, we had two a day practices. Everybody know that. You know, we had two hours and twenty, two hours and thirty minute practices. They don't necessarily do that now, you know. Um, like these guys got so much at their disposal, you know. Like, damn, they should play for a long time, you know. A guy, you know, willing, you know. Um, like for us, it was like we, we didn't have all of the extra. You know, uh, amenities that these guys have. You know, and and I, and, I, and, I, and I, too, you know, I, I take my hat off to them. You know, it, like that'll help you play for a very long time. You know, we um, 
I sit back and I tell the, the guys in the room that may not be high on the chain of command, I'm like, you know, like practices are shorter, way shorter than it was when I was playing, right? And by it being shorter, that means there's less opportunities for those low-end guys to get reps, almost to the point to where it's not necessarily fair. You know, when I played, practices were so long that everybody got a ton of reps. You're going to find ways to get reps because you're out there for two and a half hours. You know, now you take, you chop that two and a half hours, you take an hour off to an hour and 30 minutes. Like, them dudes don't get many reps. So the reps that they do get, man, you don't have time for mistakes. And to a certain degree, you're like, damn, that ain't cool. That's not fair. But that's what they're brought up into. You know what I mean? So it's different. Um, it's different, but. I also understand the way that, you know, all these, you know, analytics and numbers and, you know, all the data that's out there now, you know, this is the way it, it, it goes. And um, I feel like me personally is like, man, I don't, I don't need a machine to tell me when I'm tired, but that's just when, that's just what we're up against now. You know, um, I sit back and I look and I'm like, man, you know, the guys look fast. They look fresh. Maybe it's all the new technology stuff that got them that way. But then again, I sit back and I look on the other side and I look at it like, damn, such and such. I only got, you know, three roughs a day. How can I fit them in? You know, and it's, it can be, it can be unfair to me at times. So that, that's one of the big things. But at the end of the day, it's still football. You go out there and you play, you give it everything you got. Whenever you do get your opportunities, you make the, you know, you make the best of it and, uh, and you move forward. Reggie, last one from me, and appreciate the time here on this off day for you guys, which I know is not really an off day for the coaching staff. Um, I think one of the more surreal environments, sporting environments I've ever been in, and certainly one of the greatest individual performances I've ever seen was that 2012 game against the Packers. Uh, Do you still have the orange gloves? Where are the orange gloves from that Sunday afternoon inside of Lucas Oil Stadium? Um, Those orange gloves, after that game was over... Um, I immediately drove over to Chuck Pagano's house and um, and handed it to him. You know, so those those orange gloves are hopefully somewhere in reaching distance in uh, Chuck Pagano's house, and uh, you know maybe on his mantle. I don't know. I don't know who knows. It might be in his dirty clothes, dirty clothes laundry. You know, I don't know. You I gotta have Tina let him put him on the mantle. Come on now, Tina. <laughs> I, 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 I would hope Miss Tina will put them up there, but who knows? Chuck probably, he probably puts them on every now and then and, and try to <laughs> live his dreams. I don't know. You know what I mean? But uh, that was an iconic game. Um, it was a fun game. Obviously, um, a lot of us was playing out there with heavy hearts and, you know, we were out there playing with a lot of emotion. And um, they're just one of those times where I was locked in and then and, 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 and enjoyed the game of, 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 of football, the game that I grew up playing since I was seven years old and enjoyed and loved and just wanted, didn't, didn't expect all this extra that came with it. I just wanted to live, a, you know, fulfill my dream. And I was just stepping onto a field, playing for a, a team. Uh, I remember the first team, you know, my first dream I had of playing football and it, it wasn't a coach. I won't share what team that was, but it was uh, me playing for a certain team and that's, that's when the bug first hit me. You know, and I lived that dream, and, man, it was great. I enjoyed it. 
Reggie, at that time when you had that game in the Orange Glove game, we were in the middle of doing a weekly radio show together. I can't remember if we did that for two or three seasons. I think it might have been three years that we did a show with you, um, Mm -hmm. which was fun. I always enjoyed it. I always enjoyed your transparency. The only thing that you never divulged that we asked over the three years was your middle name. And I tried like hell to try to find out what it was. And people are now telling me that it's out there and it's Da Vinci. Is that right? I don't know where you heard that from. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where you heard that from, you know. Uh, um, But, you know, keep digging. You may find it one day. (laughs) (laughs) The coach isn't budging, Jake. The player wasn't budging. The coach isn't budging either. Yeah, you'll find out one day, but keep digging. You're close. You're close, but no cigar. DeQuincy. DeQuincy. I got one letter wrong. It's DeQuincy. Nah, I don't like the way that sounds either. Nope, that ain't it. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. I tell you, you, if you can get in contact with Miss Wayne, my mom, you know, for the right price, she may give it to you, but (laughs) you really... You really gotta, uh, you really gotta find her in the pickle to get that out of her. Mom accepts bribes. That, that's what we've learned in this, right? <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Fair enough. Reggie, thank you, man. Uh, safe travels All back right, up man. to Grand Park, and I uh, appreciate the time here. I right, appreciate it. All right, that was a great Reggie Wayne right there again. The orange gloves, Eddie. It's still something that that game, man. Individual performances. Obviously, there's a Hollywood script to it that plays into it. But man, him and Charles Woodson that uh, that day and. I'll never forget Andrew Luck saying after the game, just like I just felt like just throw it anywhere close to him. Yeah. And he'll make that play. That was yeah. such a great game. I and was that there. go-go gadget touchdown where like it's a big no-no to reach the ball out like that. You know, yeah. DBs can knock it away. And yet, yeah, and those orange gloves seem to have a magnet on the ball. So pretty special from Reggie Wayne. And uh, we've been trying for this interview for seemingly almost two years now since he has been. Uh, on the staff here. So appreciate Reggie giving us time with us. That was their off day last Wednesday. Yeah, he's always good in those media great, type, man. man. I just wish he could do it more, like you said. Yeah, him and, and Freeney. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are we going to bring that one? I know he. Yeah, that was more. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe that was more of a Jake one, but yeah. we'll see if we get any players on the, on the show this week and we can throw them in there next week. Let's do next Monday, by the way, if that works for you. Yes. Same time here. Recap the first preseason. Yes. Ready for uh, Twitter questions now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ron is up first. He says he has a question for the best cold pot out there. First of all, thank you. Ron, thank you. You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to butter us up. Email the bosses, maybe? Come on, Ron. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what we should do. Uh, is the comp pick we would get for Jonathan Taylor playing this year and leaving in free agency more than we could get in a trade this year since the running back value is so low? I know the comp pick formula is more complicated than that, but I can see us signing a lot of free agents next year in rebuild mode. Thanks for making my L.A. commute fly by. Ron. Cheers from LA, man. And I'm Thank sorry you. you have to deal with that traffic daily. Yeah, I can only imagine what that is. This is a really good question, Eddie. I don't think it's something that I gave as much thought to initially as I should have. Of like, likewise, the comp pick idea with Taylor, um, Eddie. That 2024 free agency class at running back, loaded. I mean, loaded. Loaded is an understatement. So I think you do have to factor that in. Now, to refresh everybody, could you get like a third round comp pick for Taylor easily? But that comp pick wouldn't be till 2025. You know, 2024 free agency class doesn't kick in for that draft. Yeah. It extends out another year. So I bring that up to say that is pushing the help for Anthony Richardson one more year out. 
and again, I think listeners of this podcast will have heard, I want to give Richardson as much help as early as possible in his development. Because to me, this is the fragile state. This is the teenager. Right now, you've got the teenager. They're in this very fragile, you know, nervy, jittery state. You've got to make sure that you try and get them comfortable as early as possible. It's why a lot of people have countered to me and say, Kevin, I don't want to give a three-year extension to Taylor like you have, have offered. You know, I've said three for 39, I think is, is what I mentioned. Yes. Why not just slap the franchise tag on him on a, what, annual basis? I guess you could theoretically could slap it on him twice, right? Yes. And that would turn into a three-year deal, this final year of his rookie deal, the two more. But again, as I've mentioned is, that franchise tag, that means you're paying that that money in that year. That now backloads the contract almost. Now, it's just one year, but it's a more significant cap hit than front-loading it would be with the 3 for 39. 3 for 39, I'm trying to pay early. The cap, excuse me, the franchise tags, you're paying late. I think the projected franchise tag for running backs next year would be like, I think it's near 14 million. So for running back for near fourteen, I think that is the projection to rise. Yeah, yeah, it's going to rise. And I we'll thought it was. See, I thought it was going to lower. We'll see if it gets to that. Well, I mean, you got to factor in the salary cap is rising. That's true. So you got to factor in those sorts of things, like wideout. Again, jumped to like twenty two, almost twenty three. So all of them do rise to a degree, but some of them different than than others. So. The franchise tag, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's a 5% increase each time that you do it as well? I thought it was 20. 20% increase? I thought so. Jeez, that's obviously much bigger than 5. Whatever that is, you're paying more. If you're going to say Jonathan Taylor's going to play play for your football team for three more years, but you're going to do the franchise tag song and dance, you're going to pay more in 2024 and 2025 than you would if you did the three-year deal and you front-loaded that with Taylor. So that's the path that I've taken because, again, I think when you get deeper into this Richardson development period and you have to start to make decisions on him and, you know, re sign a Ryman, re sign a Quiddy Pay, I want to have the lesser amount of cap space in that situation. Yeah, I hope that all makes sense. Yeah, I'm trying to read up on it to make sure I had that right. Because I thought it was 20% because they were talking about how Saquon's this year is 11 and then next year it would be 13 million on the on the franchise tag which would make it 20 percent yeah well i thought it was 13.9 so yeah i mean that would obviously that would be 13 yeah um i know it increases and that is what i am trying to avoid with my thought process here uh zp wants to know in a more global uh overview how does a shane steichen camp compared to a frank wright camp is it more or less physical how was the timing of practice different warm-ups or cool downs more or less teamwork just curious as the colts have been prone to slow starts yeah it's that's this is a good a good question um so they they, they got away from the circadian rhythm from last year sunday <laughs> was the only afternoon practice we have seen in camp uh so far i would say a little quicker a little shorter practices um Something I've noticed from Syke and Eddie that I think I'm going to watch in the regular season, the Colts like like to use tempo like out of huddles, you know, kind of like scurrying up to the line of scrimmage, which I feel like in short yardage the Colts did that a lot under Reich. It was like third and one, and they would kind of like sprint out of the huddle, get set, and then hike. 
sometimes they do that just kind of in the course of practice. So I'm curious if we see more of that in games. Again, it's a modern style looking offense. It's the perimeter runs, the read options, um, all of those things is what um, I see from Steichen. But, you know, physicality-wise, it's pretty similar. I mean, we're still kind of early in the, in the full padded days. I don't think we've seen a fight yet at practice. I'm trying to think. Did, um? oh, I thought Josh Downs and um somebody had a little... I mean, like, you always see... Scuff. The, I'm going to get in your face, but, like, nothing... I mean, we haven't seen like helmets off and guys throwing blows and not like Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez. We have not seen Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez. Did you hear the Cleveland radio call on that? I did not know. Oh, so good. Gosh. The the announcer just goes, Down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. I want to uh very much like down goes Frazier. I I I'd love to hear Kevin Harlan. I feel like Kevin Harlan does a great job with those calls. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. Jason Benetti's call is actually pretty good, too. Uh, if you're a general manager of the Colts, how would you handle this following scenario, Blue Heavy Wonders? And how do you think Jim Ursay or Chris Ballard would handle it as well? Michael Pittman Jr. comes to you and he says, holding out until Jonathan Taylor gets a contract extension. Whoa. Okay, walk with Pittman holding out until Taylor gets an extension? Yeah. Your Lord, <laughs> that'll be quite the move by, by Michael uh, Michael Pittman there. Um, I feel bad because when I asked Pittman the question last week, I asked him a question of like, "Hey, you know, do you expect to be playing this season without a contract extension?" And I think he inferred it like I was asking him if he would sit out without a contract extension. I, I did not mean that. I, I should have worded it better in saying. You know, do you are you under the impression that you will not get a contract extension before the start of the year? Um, but that was poor wording on my end. Um, is Pittman good at the franchise tag? I guess that could be something that would have to happen under this. I think what you need to do with Pittman right now is, I think you need to have a little come to you know you need to have a little come to Jesus moment with him. I'm not saying get the Ursa bus out there, but if you're Ballard, I think you sit him down and try and explain the blueprint. Try and explain the medical situation that's impacting Taylor. Something. I mean, these guys, I don't want to act like they're best friends by any means, but they are drafted in the same class. What, eight picks apart? Seven picks apart? Yeah. They're obviously both skill players for your rookie quarterback, and, and you have the finances to do both. If you wanted to, you could extend both. So if you are having a difference in opinion on Taylor, you need to sit down the Michael Pittman thing. I think you need to sit Pittman down and chat with him about this because if you don't extend Pittman you don't extend Taylor you know there is an element we're kind of getting into this debate with my in-laws I think part of the reason why you extend these guys early Eddie part of it is saying thank you part of it is sending a message to the locker room and saying guys if you outperform your rookie deals we will extend you Mm -hmm. that is our gratitude to saying good job good work we're going to give you this money early because you've outperformed the return on investment. And I think that is obviously what Taylor is frustrated by is because the Colts are not doing that with him right now. Um, but, yeah, I first off, I can't see Michael Pittman, of course, ever doing this. I know that it is a hypothetical here. But I would just simply try and sit him down and explain it. I think he'd get it. I mean, hell, his dad's a running back 10 years in the NFL. You can tag a player three times, by the way. Can you? You can do three. Gosh. So, 
if you tack after the first tag, it goes up by 20%, 20%. And if you tag them for a third time, that number increases by 44%. So, yeah, the, that's the reason why no one would ever, well, I, don't, I mean, have we, didn't Cousins get tagged a lot? Did he get tagged? Twice. That means it's twice the most we've seen? I think so. Yeah. I, I, again, I don't want that big of a cap. This is the time to front load. You've got cap space. You aren't paying anybody anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I mean, Grover, right? Isn't that the only name we really came up with? Yeah. On last week's podcast. So front load, don't back load. Is this uh, my friend and our friend, Jimmy Cook, or is this just a different Jay Cook? I think this is a different Jay Cook. It's mm. such a great could sounding be, could, name. Could be his burner. Could be his, be quite the burner to have. Right. People wouldn't suspect it at all. And that is that is a great point. Anyhow, uh, Jay Cook doesn't understand why Jonathan Taylor just can't play on his current contract. He's coming off an injured year that's a high risk. What happens when we sign him to this large contract and he falls apart like almost every one of them being running backs does? Where did it get Dallas with Ezekiel Elliott? You know, the falling apart phrase, Eddie... I've really been torn on Jonathan Taylor in that, like, is he the outlier? Now, maybe Fair. teams don't want to try and guess if he's the outlier or not. Maybe the Colts don't want to. And I totally understand where the Colts would be coming from on that. And that's why the injury situation is such a curveball because we don't know the magnitude and the extent of it. But, like, there are things on the Taylor resume, Eddie, that point to him potentially being the outlier. He's 24. He doesn't have a torn ACL. He doesn't have a torn Achilles. He's never been hurt. Before this year, in 10 years of football, he had missed zero games. Mm-hmm. And he plays running back. Mm-hmm. Now, again, there are people on the other side of it that say, outlier? Look at how many carries he had in three years at Wisconsin. I'm I'm not taking that risk, and I understand that. Um, then why'd you trade up and draft him if you didn't feel like he's a guy that you could have around for a long amount of, or an extended amount of time? Preach, 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 preach. Yep, that's willingly knowing you you don't have the fifth year option. That's that's the biggest point, um, that I've that I've tried to make. I did a little exercise last week, Eddie. I looked up the yard per carry average for Colt running backs since Taylor entered the league. So like. For though, and I don't think it's a big group of people that that say this, but somebody brought it up to me, and I honestly it was more out of curiosity than anything. Is this an O line thing, or is it a running back thing? In 2020, Jordan Wilkins 3.7 yards per carry, Naheem Hines 4.3, Jonathan Taylor 5.0. In 2021, Marlon Mack 3.6, Naheem Hines 4.9, Jonathan Taylor 5.5. So in those first two years, you saw Taylor have anywhere from a half yard to almost two yard difference than the other running backs on the team. Now this past season, Taylor, four and a half per carry, Moss, 4.8, Deion Jackson, 3.8. Now those in the Taylor camp would point out, well, Moss got in there once you guys settled on an offensive line that was competent. And you played bad running teams to end the year. And my client was banged up, but played through injury. But again, the difference there just being point three. I, I'm sure it's easy, but obviously the big thing that separates Taylor Eddie is just his ability to hit hit, hit the home runs. Yeah, he does that, and Zach Moss doesn't. And that would be the difference. So, and if you're wanting to compare Moss in 2020 with Buffalo at 4.3, and in 21, yeah, 3.6. 
Yeah. I, I guess going back to Jay Cook's question, why it is cons- why he can't just play off this, play out his current contract, is because his frustration lies with the, you paid Hines as a running back, and you paid Leonard and Nelson coming off injuries. That is where his frustration Um so again, this goes back to the point of I see both parties having decent points to make here. Like and, and I just can't agree with the earth that like we take care of our guys. I, I would have loved, and it's hard in that media scrum to follow up. You, that was his big message com- coming off that bus is I told Jonathan Taylor, we take care of our guys. So why aren't you taking care of them? I mean, Edron and Marshall, those are totally different situations than this one with Taylor. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Colton is up next. He says that as a fan, you obviously want to win games, but if we win three to five games and Anthony Richardson shows encouraging flashes, I would be stoked. Come time for the draft, you're picking one through four with a prime chance to snag Brock Bowers or Marvin Harrison Jr. And if we resign Pittman and Taylor, I think you're looking at an offense with top five potential. What are your thoughts? I could could get behind um, that. I mean, obviously this kind of gets back to the original thing of a, you know, Pierce, Woods, Downs, you know, obviously Pittman and Taylor, we'll have to see how those things play out. But that that has some intriguing skill, guys. You know, it's a bummer, Eddie, that Jelani Woods has missed the last week. And I when he was out there, even I don't recall a whole lot of action from him early on. Obviously, I don't think so, but it's like it's with these big tight ends, you're always kind of wondering, like, is it all hype or is there still kind of a natural nature to playing that position? A big fundamental nature to playing that position at a really, you know, high consistent level there. But yeah, I am if Anthony Richardson shows promise and you have a top five pick, I mean Bowers would have to you'd literally have to tell me that he's Kelsey. And that's obviously a big thing. Or Tony Gonzalez or Gronk or Sure. Yeah. yeah. Sure everybody else. Marvin Harrison Jr. Whew. And that's the thing about this draft class, you know, when you talk about it, Eddie. And there's still a Mecca Abuka, too, later. Well, well, seemingly, like, here we are on August 7th. We're talking about Caleb Williams, Drake May, Marvin Harrison Jr., and potentially Brock Bowers all as, like, top 10 picks. I don't recall ever being in August, and obviously there are draft people that are obsessed that could do this. My draft, 2024 draft thoughts, very much in the infancy stages. But to, like... Off the top of my head, have or see that there's like four or five guys that are pretty clearly going to be going that high. You know guys are going to emerge. Yeah. So this could be a great draft class. Mm-hmm. Coming up here, uh, you know, I think Notre Dame left tackle Joe Alt is an absolute stud and deserves to go top ten as well, but that's my biased opinion. I was about to say, is that bias or is that actually? No, I think he's a damn good football player. Okay. Yeah. Final Twitter question goes to JJ. If you compare how Chris Ballard has been running the team and how the new coach has ran his offense, the Colts are way out of sync. It's like a railroad with all steam engines firing, uh, hiring a world expert in electric cars. <laughs> Do you follow that? It's like a railroad with all steam engines hiring a world expert in electric cars. 
Is that a, the, the next Elon Musk thing? I get maybe. I don't know. Uh, Coach Shane had top wide receivers, a dynamic quarterback, and was with a team that would spend to get good players. Little in Ballard's history matches with that. Am I the only one that sees them as almost mutually exclusive? You know, JJ, it's it's a point that is fair to bring up, Eddie, and it kind of goes to the topic and a theme we've had throughout this pod. How much is Steichen influencing? How much is he challenging Ballard? Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Frank Reich was not Chris Ballard's first pick. Shane Steichen theoretically was. So, if you look at it in that light... Possibly. I mean, they took forever to hire him, so who knows? Well, I mean, there obviously were some scheduling hindrances with the Super Bowl run in there, but... Um, you know, how much are you being challenged? You know, someone brought up, I don't know, did you see the Greg Cosell comment on the Ross Tucker podcast? I did um, not. About the, the pain of Taylor and pain Richardson. You know, he brought up, you know, when you have Hurts as such a run threat, that offsets the need for like a really marquee running back because you have a great runner at quarterback. Now, I could easily see other people say, I don't want my running, I don't want my quarterback to be running as much as, you know, whatever. Lamar Jackson was running or like, you know, I want Jalen Hurts to run when he wants to run, not run because he has to run and now we risk him to injury. I think there are fans of the Buffalo Bills that would say, Josh Allen, run less because we care about your health a whole lot. Now, obviously, there are times in the games with Buffalo that is their best success is him running a whole, whole lot. So, because I was saying that's kind of a reason why he feels like the run threat at quarterback Offsets the need for a major running back. Again, the caveat or the the counter to that would say, I worry about a quarterback getting injured if you run him to that degree. Um, so I guess the overall answer to that question again is just, are we seeing more of a challenging of opinions? Are we seeing an altering of a blueprint? Yeah, there there is evidence I think point to that we are. Yeah. So. Uh, one final question from me as we conclude here yeah. uh, with it being preseason game number one this weekend. What are you looking for? Well, I, obviously, quarterback speaks for itself. You know, I, I do want to see Kenyon Drake and more of an extended look. Um, wide receiver wise, Downs and Pierce, I'd like to see them. Um, how do the tight end reps get divvied up? I mean, right now, it's a lot of Drew Ogletree and Granson. You know, I talked about the trench play earlier. You know, does Buffalo, you, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was Buffalo's second unit too last year, kind of whipping the Colts starting unit when they were out there. Any pass rush emerge? Does Shaq play? Corners? Do we see Juju Brents, Eddie? Two practices in. I think he should be out there in some game settings. So all, all those things would be on my mind. Let's come back on Monday, all right? Sounds good to me. All right, we'll recap Monday, preview the final week of Colts training camp. Again, 107.5, The Fan, all the notebooks, some YouTube videos as well. Rick Venturi with you tomorrow on Kevin and Query, correct? Rick Venturi, 8.30 with us tomorrow on Kevin and Query. Signing off, Kevin Bowen, Eddie Garrison. We'll talk to you on Monday.